what happens when I get an email subject line that says there's a hypnotist involved, there's a statement to be made, and there's a controversy? Well, I'll tell you what happens. We go into it. Welcome to another episode of Open Loops with Greg Bornstein. I consider it an affront to my family that you haven't heard about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain, okay? Let me let me just lay this out for you. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And, and get this, okay? Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money, moolah, from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, we want to get into a little controversy today. Let's do it. I'm excited. I want to delve deep. Uh, So here's where I'm going to start. I got an email from Andrew T. Austin. Admittedly, this is a man whose work I I don't know that much about, (laughs) which is great because I'm on his email list. But... I want to know more about his work. The thing with Andrew T. Austin that I was very intrigued by is, uh, I I know a little bit, I heard an interview with him once with a hypnotist, prominent hypnosis trainer named Igor Litohovsky. Such a great name for a hypnotist trainer, by the way. Igor Litohovsky? Like, what? What? Is this Rasputin's second cousin? Like, who is... Okay, look. Andrew T. Austin. He was doing an interview series. Now, Igor did this series called Interviews with Hypnosis Masters. And Andrew T. Austin was on. And what Andrew T. Austin was talking about was metaphors of movement which is a modality of neurolinguistic programming neurolinguistic linguistic programming is a modality of hypnosis in my opinion in a weird way um brief summary oh gosh hey, let me start at the beginning here hypnosis is about taking people into that uh, suggestive state of mind that that uh, subconscious where where imaginings are believed uh, I heard a great definition the other day of hypnosis that goes way back which is believed in imaginings I eat what your imagination is actually you believe in it. You're, it's not play acting because you're not, there's no part of you that's going, yeah, but am I acting this? No, you're just doing it. So, neurolinguistic programming, to give you a brief 
summation of it is pretty uh, interesting. It's a, it's made up of a couple words, neuro, i.e. the mind, linguistic, which is language, but language doesn't just mean words. It means the language of movement, the language of uh, facial expressions, uh, anything that communicates, any form of communication. So it's bridging the mind in communication with programming, which is actually taking that language of the mind and the mind's language and adjusting it to... It's actively using that language, either on yourself or on others, to make a change, set something in motion. My hypnosis trainer, Jeffrey Stevens, late Jeffrey Stevens, he just said, NLP, Greg, is waking hypnosis. There's something to be said about that. See, what's tricky about neurolinguistic programming is that it breaks down into two things. Is it, sometimes people say it's the, the study of subjectivity, i.e. if Michael Jordan is so great at playing basketball, what he goes through is a series of thought-to-body interactions. So something's going on in his head that triggers him to act in a certain way when he has a basketball and he's looking at the hoop. There's actually a mental process, and neurolinguistic programming, at least in its early days, they believed that they could isolate the language of the mind in such a way that you could actually break down what those thought processes were, write it out in a language. Combination of different things what the person's seeing, what the person's feeling, uh, sensory reality basically being the building blocks of experience. Your different senses are really what you have. Then you have your perceptions, which are based on those. And then you have your actual actions, which come from uh, the behavior based on those perceptions, based on those sensory experiences. It really breaks it down. They call it chunking down in neurolinguistic programming. That's one side, the modeling aspect, the subjectivity, breaking down subjectivity. You're told, oh, you can't be like Michael Jordan, like that's one guy. NLP practitioners, and Tony Robbins was an early proponent of this, talked about NLP a lot, in uh, definitely in his first book, and then came up with a new name for it, for legal reasons, and uh, awakening the giant within, but uh, the point is that it's a fascinating field. It's a great field. I'm very intrigued by it. Uh, it's The idea of it is often more... I'm getting back to the first episode, more satisfying than the reality of it. Wow, we can break down what makes someone great. You can be as funny as Jerry Seinfeld. You can model uh, what makes Obama and Bill Clinton great communicators. Idea, better than execution generally. But it's an interesting tool. It's a very interesting methodology Now, modeling still plays a role here. 
in the second aspect of NLP, but it's very much twisted uh, in the sense that people forget about the modeling aspects when they think of the common use of NLP, which honestly is therapeutic techniques to get more achievable results. See, NLP has a lot of presuppositions. It has a lot of ideas, like communication is the response you receive, not what you're actually saying. Interesting idea, right? You can say to someone, like a married couple, you get this example a lot in NLP, speaking different languages. Honey, you don't love me. What do you mean? I greet you when you come home. I I uh, ask you how your day is. Husband perceiving there that merely talking to the wife, communicating with her verbally, is satisfying. She still goes, no, but you don't love me anymore. What does that mean? Her language of love is physical. She gets validated by actually being held, being kissed, being touched. Um, you know, all the all this stuff. It's different language. The communication is not there. Husband, the reaction he's getting, the key, he's going, oh my gosh, why don't you understand? I'm telling you, I'm loving you. But the communication isn't there because the response he's receiving is the dissatisfaction from the, the, the wife. You, she doesn't love him. So you really have to be precise. See, what a husband can do is learn to map out the way his wife perceives love, break that down, and then communicate to her on that level. Or the wife can be like, I understand my husband thinks this is love. He doesn't. I'm going to verbally communicate that, and then we're going to speak the same language eventually. Communication is the result of what you're saying to one person, either verbally or non-verbally. Very interesting idea. Now, neurolinguistic programming. Andrew T. Austin. What did this guy talk about on Igor's interview? He's an NLP practitioner. He's got a book that, uh, surprise, surprise, I haven't made my way through, but I bought it because it was on the Kindle. And, and you know what? Sometimes it's cheaper on the Kindle than it is to get it in real life, and you want to just grab it while it's available. Um, I believe the book is called The Rainbow Machine. Uh, and it's sort of a case-by-case -case study of some of the early journals of um, Andrew T. Austin, who describes himself as a neurolinguist. See, people really specialize within the world of hypnosis. Some people like really do straight-up relaxotherapy, which, as I talked about previously, not my favorite, kind of boring version of hypnosis versus some people are just straight up neurolinguists, which mean they use uh, therapeutic techniques that come out of NLP to get change from people. The modeling aspect of that comes from the fact that 
I'll give you an example. One of the, no, 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 so I talked about like Michael Jordan as modeling excellence, study of subjectivity, where it gets the therapeutic and the modeling is uh, the, the fast phobia cure. This is a classic, classic NLP technique, which is interesting to say that. I mean, I kind of hate saying that because the founders of NLP, Richard Bandler and John Grinder, didn't like the idea that NLP was just a trail of techniques left behind. Um, but it's commonly known as uh, a bunch of techniques. Is that an NLP technique? Um, yes, it comes from the modeling processes that NLP did originally. Fast phobia cure. You can cure someone's snake phobia someone's bug phobia. Any phobia you're going through, you don't even have to know what the phobia is. You can cure it in five minutes or less. Outrageous claim. It was outrageous the first time I heard that. It's possible. It's absolutely possible. Why? Here's what happened. Richard Bandler put an ad in the newspaper looking for people that got over their phobias. People that had lifelong phobias that resolved them, got over them. Uh, he may have even put it out there for people that, you know, like all of a sudden, they, they just looked at it differently and they, they changed their phobia. What John Grinder and Richard Bandler, founders of this NLP thinking, did was they brought all these people in, sat down with them, got into their heads started analyzing how they thought about the phobia. What was their relation? What were the images they saw in their mind when they thought of snakes? Was the image uh, black and white? Was it in color? Was it close up? Was it far away? Was the image of the snake moving? Uh, when, did they, when did it start? What was the feeling right before they saw a snake for the first time? All this stuff. They started mapping out the similarities between all these people that quickly got over the formula. And guess what happened? they found a pattern. What they were able to do with this pattern is adapt it into a technique that allowed people with their eyes open to knock out the formula, knock out the phobia in a few minutes. It can be done overtly. Like, okay, I'm going to take you through the fast phobia cure. Here we go. And it can be done covertly which is much more interesting to me, at least, as in, in the context of conversation, you can embed suggestions to get people to uh, look at their past experience differently. I actually don't really know how I would do it covertly, uh, but I do know the pattern for getting rid of phobias instantly. So, very cool, very cool stuff. Andrew T. Austin was a neurolinguist on Igor Letohovsky's podcast. Uh, it wasn't, a, I guess, interview series. And he was talking about metaphors of movement. Uh, you know, let me put this behind me. Um, well, you know, I'll, 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 get, I'll get back to it at a few days. Basically, the way people talked about ideas often was uh, in, metaphorically in relationship to their body. So what he decided to do was explore the way the thought processes worked with the metaphors people were saying and actually works with how they process 
thoughts in their life relative to the way their bodies actually move in space. Really interesting. Point is, I signed up for his email list. Then I get an email today. Months later. Oh, man, I love this stuff. Email says, Statement on Michael Carroll of NLP Academy, East Croydon, London. I love this already. Michael Carroll works with John Grinder, the original co-founder of neurolinguistic programming. Uh, I know about the NLP Academy. I've never taken a class there. I've never studied NLP in person, but I've seen the videos from uh, East Croydon, London, and John Grinder talking um, about his most recent ideas about NLP. So for me to see a topic like this statement on Michael Carroll, I immediately fall in love. Um, because what? What could this statement be about? Is, is Michael Carroll saying bad things about Andrew T. Austin? Is Michael Carroll now a Me Too accusation? That's where my mind goes. Uh, who knows? I opened the email. Michael Carroll, NLP Academy, East Croydon, London. Following some serious allegations raised by Michael Carroll on social media in the past few days, I've written the following statement and included screenshots of his claims. There's the link. I would like to thank all of those who have contacted me regarding this and offered kind words of support. Andy. Wow. 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 Now, let's look at what that email is doing there. That email is saying, I don't want to go into it in, in your day-to-day -day life, but I invite you to go into it. I invite you. Come on in. Welcome. Let's let's uh, let let's open this. Let's open this door a little bit. Step inside. Want to see the world of scandal? Great. Go to https twenty three nlpeoplecom slash the strange dash the strange world of Michael Carroll NLP Academy East Croydon London. Of course, there's dashes between each of those. Okay, let's go. Draw me in, Andrew T. Austin. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. In an apparent attempt to evade legal consequences, I'm reading the, the blog article now, Michael Carroll has removed his posts where he accuses myself and others of racism by fabricating a set of posts and comments that I never made. Now, mind you, this is, I'm reading this on June 10th, 2020, which is middle of George Floyd, middle of... Uh, all the protests and defund the police, actions being taken. So anything involving race right now, uh, it's, it's very hot button. It's, we're in it right now. Continue reading. Anyone who attempted the reason with him was simply blocked or had their comments deleted. He subsequently doubled down and went on to claim that IEMT is ripped off from EMDR. I doubt Michael has any experience of either, and the difference between the two models is easily attested by the sheer number of EMDR practitioners who have attempted 
who have attended the IEMT training, many of whom subsequently joined the Association of IEMT Practitioners. And, and just so you guys know, uh, this EMDR is a, uh, a form of therapy where... I mean, it's it's actually really interesting. Uh, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Uh, it, it came from the 1990s. It's it's often related to trauma. It's about moving eyes side to side rapidly um, as a way of bringing up felt trauma from the past to resolve it. I'm not a practitioner. I've never done it. I've read a little, little, little bit about it. Um, I have heard... It actually has origins in neurolinguistic programming because one of the things in NLP is about eye movements. Like if your eyes move a certain direction, it means you're processing events in different sensory modalities, i.e. you look up and to the left, you're seeing things, um, or, or up and to the right. Uh, eyes stay in the middle, you're processing them auditorily, or your eyes moving down. When you're thinking about something, it means you're feeling not an exact science, any of this, often disputed by scientists. However, uh, NLP was, they were some of the early people to discover uh, how eyes corresponded with the way people processed uh, moments of reality. But EMDR is a widely accepted psychotherapeutic treatment uh, that I'd love to learn more about. It's very interesting. Now, what IEMT is, is Integral Eye Movement Therapy, which movement uh, was created by Andrew T. Austin. Let me see if I can find any sort of... I wish I even knew what this was. Oh, here... Okay, I'm looking at an overview right now. Uh, yep, here we go. This is what I was talking about. Basically... Uh, oh, huh. IEMT addresses and resolves the question, how did this person learn to feel the way they feel about the things they feel bad about? And it actually is dealing with eye accessing cues in NLP. Uh, but there are a lot of misconceptions. Right, right, right. And this is really working out of uh, observing neurological phenomena, that's what it says here on the website, that occurred during the eye movements at the point that the problematic imagery changed its emotional coding. Oh, very interesting. So it's, it sounds similar, but it's not exactly that. And you have to understand, in this community of practitioners of modalities of hypnosis and, and, uh, Actually, reminds me of magicians, too. Everybody is very protective of their creations. Everyone is very... Oh, I created this technique of hypnosis. I created this induction. Everybody wants credit for originality. Everybody's very protective. Um, and to that, I say, totally get it. Because I want... I, I want that, too. I want that validation. My gosh, I want it all the time. Uh, but it just means there's a lot of nitpicky stuff here about, like, minus little differences. So back to uh, the article 
from Andrew T. Austin's email. Uh, he refers to me, this is Michael Carroll, refers to me as that pilfering racist from Little Hampton. Michael Carroll also claimed I was kicked out of the Society of NLP for breaching copyright and plagiarism. Another lie. He did this as revenge for my blog post, where I criticized his dangerous and ludicrous claim for being able to prevent COVID-19 infection by installing an unconscious virus filter using new code NLP. Very interesting, right? I, like, what are you... What what is he claiming here? Uh, uh huh, uh huh. Oh, he's actually showing an image where I I suppose Michael uh, Carroll posted something here about setting a self protection filter to take care of your health amidst the Corona outbreak. Uh, let's see the blurb here for his. Class. It says, Corona for sure is fast and dangerous, and as individuals, we have to be ready to protect ourselves from infection. Masks, gloves, etc. do literal nothing to help you stay safe. The best way to protect yourself is to work with your unconscious to set a shield that protects your nervous system from getting the virus. Yeah, I can see why that's problematic. Hypnosis, ladies and gentlemen, it does a lot. It... We never say it cures anything. It helps with recovery. There are people who have hypnotically lost cysts, who've overcome uh, the processes of cancer. Not, not like, it's not directly the cancer itself, but um, th there have been relief for some people. Now, is that the hypnosis doing it? I don't know. Is there a mind-body connection? I believe there is. But a hypnotist that claims you're going to cure cancer is a liar. Never go to them. Do not trust them. Do your research. Um, and especially not wearing a mask does little to... N I mean, this to me, and he's promoting like a class about setting a self-protection filter. I see why Andrew had issues with this. I see why uh, Andrew T., didn't like it. Um, he pities the foo. Uh, okay. Now he's playing, back to the original article, now he's playing the victim who is being bullied for speaking out. I would suggest that people be aware he claims to be on a campaign to root out the widespread racism within the personal development field of which he apparently has much knowledge. He has demonstrated himself to be a man who is happy to fabricate evidence and lie in order to settle old scores. This behavior is from a man who is a trainer of the NLP Leadership Summit. A formal complaint has been filed with the Leadership Summit. This is the man who has worked with John Grinder for many years and describes himself as a training genius and a fascinating character. I'd suggest he'd add delusional, narcissistic, and short to his profile. Wow. Uh, the negative reviews on Google for NLP Academy sure make for some interesting reading, too. I have copied the entire Facebook thread below for reference. Wow. And then we just have a lot of back and forth. So here's what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to take a brief pause and read through myself all this 
Facebook back and forth, and I'm going to tell you the gist of it and what I think about this whole mess at the end. Okay, welcome back. Here is exactly what I learned. I learned that the NLP community is a mess. It's a mess. Uh, basically, this guy posted so there, there's a cartoon. There was a cartoon that supposedly Andrew T. Austin posted, which is of a uh, it looks like a cartoon of a uh, there's not really any defining features. Uh, it's it's a looks like a lady like or uh, okay, well, I think it's a black guy holding a flat screen television up. And the line is, I went to the BLM protest and all I got was this lousy flat screen. First of all, cartoon, I, I have no context for this post besides just the joke. Um, it's definitely not humor that I think is appropriate right now uh, at all. So if Andrew T. Austin is posting this in a way that is uh, racist or is just like, oh, hey, look, people are looting right now and look at what they're getting for it. Like completely wrong. Do not agree with that. Absolutely terrible. Here's what confuses me. Michael Carroll's post, yes, he calls Andrew T. Austin a uh, pilfering racist from Little Hampton. Yes, he does call him that or assert that's him. And he talks about Black Lives Matter, does the three-pronged, like, uh, hashtag Black Lives Matter, hashtag Black Lives Matter, hashtag Black Lives Matter, and then uh, mentions that uh, stuff like this, like Andrew T. Austin posting stuff like this, is probably the reason that there aren't as many black people in the NLP community. Um, interesting. Also, he writes, John Grinder, co-founder of NLP, my business partner and friend, was a prolific civil rights and anti-war activist in the 1970s. I had no idea. Uh, at the same time he was co-creating NLP, he was organizing very public protests in San Francisco as part of the 1970s liberal, civil rights protests. Uh, wow, that's really cool. The original students uh, involved in the program where NLP was born were all very active in civil rights and anti-war campaigns. That's awesome. In my experience, uh, besides... Justin Trance, who I consider the greatest hypnotist ever, potentially, for me, um, that I've seen work, uh, you know, honestly, I don't know if it's true that there are a lot of black hypnotists out there. There are some, I've seen them, they're out there, but... It's definitely more of a white field. Um, I'm sure it's systemic. I know for myself, those trainings are 
often, uh, you know, hard to even learn that they exist, and then they cost thousands and thousands of dollars, like, it's really not readily accessible to uh, most, you know, I mean, it's not, it's, it's just not like, it's like a, it's like hypnosis and NLP courses, if you have the luxury to go attend them, you're probably at a different socioeconomic status than most people. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I totally understand why, uh, you know, it, it does seem like NLP and, and hypnosis trainers could do more to reach out to um, less privileged communities. Absolutely, uh, they could do that. Um, but, you know, back to the point here, what I find interesting is that he makes all this posts... And then at the bottom, and this is why you got to be careful, uh, he makes this long post, rather. This is one long post where he puts the cartoon. At the bottom, he writes, The person who sent me the screenshots reported the thread to Facebook, uh, citing several hate posts. It's not a full sentence. I, I blocked this guy a long time ago, so I don't see his garbage, but I'm glad I was sent this as it highlights the problem I am addressing in this post. Let's see how Facebook responds. Let's see how people in the self-help business respond. I'm sorry, but I still don't think it's fair to take out of context what someone has sent you and then just do like an entire rant uh, criticizing that person's character. This person is not giving the full context of that post. This was sent by another person who obviously didn't like Andrew T. Austin. Michael got wind of it and then started calling him a racist and a plagiarist and all that stuff without the full proof because he even blocked this guy. Michael Carroll and Andrew T. Austin can't even see each other's posts. I thought it was going to be a war between them, but it turns out a lot of people are on Michael's side. They're saying Andrew's a racist. Um, and he posts every negative comment until at the end, Gary Turner, who is a, uh, I believe he was a wrestler turned hypnotist, big voice in the hypnosis community these days. He writes, Michael, I am on the thread you are referring to, and this post is nothing more than a total misrepresentation of the actual conversation. I take offense at how you've insinuated racism in that thread, missing the point of it completely, which makes me wonder if you've even read it as your misrepresentation is nothing short of offensive. An apology to me and others in a retraction would be more than nice. I thought better of you. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So look, while we have a little bit of Andrew's side, he posted as much context as he was given, and then we have a little bit of Michael's side, or a lot of Michael's side, which is him uh, taking words that he didn't even see and didn't even look at the full conversation of necessarily. We're not given that information, and then he's calling somebody racist. The greater point of that is this. You can't just criticize everything you see without getting full context. Now... I did a podcast episode where I read, I reviewed what I thought books might be like once they come out. But I've told you that I'm going to be doing that. I didn't say that don't buy this book, don't read it. I just expressed my thoughts. 
there was a guy, um, my uncle posted an article about a guy that got doxxed for, uh, I believe, just like terrible behavior during one of these protests. And his job uh, let him go and he got publicly shamed. And it turned out that people thought it was one guy, but it was a completely wrong person. And now his reputation is ruined. This, to me, is an example of petty bickering with way too extreme contents, like part of outrage culture. And you know what I mean? I think these two should have had a conversation, or uh, Michael shouldn't have posted this. I mean, I don't know why Andrew posted that original cartoon, but if it was, I don't, I'm not friends with either of them on Facebook, so I'd have to dig into that. But the point is, this is a whole lot of nothing. And the whole thing about NLP is that we are breaking down the broad abstractions in communication, the trances that people get into, and manageable steps so we can then make healthier choices in our lives. I don't think Michael Carroll is being a good NLP practitioner or using hypnosis and influence for the right reasons when he's quoting an article out of context, if that's what he's doing, and it seems like it, at the end of the day, what neurolinguistic programmers want to do is be able to communicate. And this is a case where uh, they could have done better. I think I'm perhaps on both fronts. I want to know what Andrew T. Austin was uh, doing with that post in his email. Either way, I was drawn into the loop. I love the idea of arguing hypnotists in any context. That's just great to me. There are a lot of uh, hypnosis wars and magician wars that are uh, fascinating to me, at least, that I love talking about. So, uh, you know, feel free. Hey, if you've got if you've got a, a inside scoop about uh, any magician wars, of uh, my email address is. Greg Born one two three at gmail dot com. That's G R E G B O R N one two three at gmail dot com. We'll be covering these kind of stories and more, but certainly provoking my curiosity. But also, the other thing I take away from this is how do you bring these mind technologies into communities with it less privilege? How? Why Why are they underrepresented? Could this stuff make a difference? I definitely think it could. There's no reason why this has to be reserved for the upper crust of society. Uh, mental health is an issue that ranges from people of all creeds, colors, backgrounds. So I'm um, hoping that even... <laughs> I can, I'm not a trainer of hypnosis, but I'm hoping that uh, I can make an impact in uh, communities of all different backgrounds, and it's great for hypnosis to start branching out. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to Open Loops. If you enjoy this podcast, feel free to rate it in iTunes and leave a review. Uh, We'll be back very soon with some new intrigue, some new mystery, 
as we go deeper and deeper into the loops. Talk to you soon.